chapter 15. And David, could you bring me my water when it's, it's, it's by my chair? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Okay, Spanish or English Bibles, if you need a, to raise your hand, if you need a Bible. We are in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you ever want to know, if you ever hear that word gospel... The gospel, what that means is good news. If you ever want to just, where, do I, where can I find out what the gospel is in a nutshell? Well, here it is right here in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4, rather verse 3 through 8. This is the Apostle Paul speaking by the Holy Spirit of the message he brought to the Corinthian church when he first got to Corinth and none of these people were Christians, he, he came to explain to them what Christianity was and this is what he said. Verse three, for I delivered to you, first of all, that, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for understanding of your word today. Lord, I think of that verse in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 it says if then you were raised with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the, seated at the right hand of God what does that mean lord what does it mean to be raised with Christ Lord, we're, we're here to, to meet you. We're not here, Lord, just to have a Bible study, to read a bunch of verses from the Bible. Uh, we're not here to just to be religious. We're not here because uh, it's a social custom. We're here to meet you and to understand and for you to, you to open up our eyes, our minds, and our ears. What does it mean to be raised with Christ I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So in the verses that we're in, we are uh, going to be spending some time on these verses, or really what these verses speak to. Notice the priority of the resurrection. What is the resurrection? 
Well, Jesus died on a cross. He was put in a tomb, and after three days, he rose from the dead. That's the resurrection. Notice the priority of the resurrection in this account of the gospel, in this account of the good news. Again, it says in verse three, I delivered to you. I mean, the first thing he said when he came into Corinth, to that city, I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. In other words, in the Old Testament, prior to Jesus coming onto the scene, it was prophesied repeatedly in the Old Testament that the Christ would die. And that's what verse three there is referring to, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse four, and that he was buried and that he rose again. Verse five said, and that he was seen by Cephas. Verse six says, and that he was seen by 500 brethren. Verse seven, and that he was seen by James then by all the apostles. And then in verse eight, then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time, meaning I didn't deserve it. I absolutely didn't deserve it. I shouldn't be an apostle, he is saying. But Jesus appeared to me too at a time when I was killing Christians. He appeared to me as one born out of due time, a killer. Jesus appeared to the apostle Paul. The priority of the resurrection, I just was in the book of Acts chapter one for my own devotion time this week. And in Acts chapter one, the 11 apostles are there together, Judas had taken his own life. And there's a fair amount of scripture dedicated to, well, we we lost one apostle. We need to choose a 12th apostle, someone to replace Judas. And so they drew uh, lots and um, they drew lots. But before doing that, um, Peter, I believe it was the apostle Peter said, we have to choose someone else to be a witness to the resurrection. Again, the priority of the resurrection. Why did they need another apostle? To be a witness to the resurrection throughout the book of Acts. There, um, the, the book of Acts is the story of the first churches. The first churches that were established or ever existed. And throughout the book of, of, of Acts, there are are messages, sermons, just like I'm doing here this morning, sermons by Peter, Stephen, and Paul. There's eight sermons. Every single one of them, the resurrection is mentioned. Every one of those eight sermons, including, by the way, the sermon to the church in, not, not to the church in Athens, to the pagans, and to the philosophers in Athens, um, Paul, and these were, by the way, the smartest audience that he had throughout all his missionary journeys. Athens, known for their wisdom. There were schools of philosophy set up. And and to those people, 
Paul taught the resurrection. It's the one sermon in the book of Acts, the cross is not mentioned. Now, of course, the cross is unbelievably important. We know that. But it's interesting. The priority of Jesus raising from the dead. Why? Why is the resurrection so important? Why is that? Why is this holiday, Easter, a big deal? Um, the, the last couple days at different uh, little grocery stores I went to, I, I would just tell uh, the, the clerk, I said, do you know that it's Easter this Sunday? And they said, yes. And I said, it's the most important day in the history of the world. Do you know why? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But why the priority? I'm gonna give you four reasons. There's probably many others, but I'm gonna give you four reasons why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so, there's such a high priority in scripture. Again, in 1 Corinthians 15, I'll say it one more time, mentions the death of Jesus, but then five times, he rose and was seen, 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 he rose, uh, he rose and was seen. Why? Well, reason number one, the resurrection was God's way of affirming that everything that Jesus said was true. And so, for example, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter four. One of the most dramatic scenes in the New Testament. Jesus is uh, new on the, the scene here. He's brand new on the scene publicly. And it says that he, um, in the middle of verse 16 of Luke chapter 4, it says he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Keep in mind, he's a young dude. Uh, he's young to me at least, I'm 58, he was 30. And he walked in on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Verse 17, he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, written 750 years prior to Jesus coming on the scene. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And this is what he read before all the people. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and then to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then I just love verse 20. It says he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all were, who were in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
And you know what happened next? The very people who knew him, because he was in, he was in the area of Galilee, I believe he's actually maybe, yeah, he's in Nazareth, where he grew up. Um, it says in verse 20, it, it says um, uh, at the end of verse 22, it says, is this not Joseph's son? Who is this guy? Wait, wait, we know this guy. He's thinking he's fulfilling all these scriptures. We don't believe that, including his own family. His own family did not believe. But let me tell you, again, what is reason number one? The resurrection was God's way of affirming that everything Jesus said was true. When Jesus rose from the dead, what do you see? His brothers coming to salvation. One of the gospel accounts talks about his brothers gathering after the resurrection. They had believed. They thought he was a nut beforehand. What did the resurrection do? Wow. What he said about himself was true. In John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to the disciples, he's saying this to some of you this morning, all of you, I am the bread of life. What kind of nutcase would say that? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. John 6, 35. At the end of John 6, Almost all the people who were following him left him. Let me tell you, after he rose from the dead, three days after being buried, they were like, wow, what he said was true. What he said was true. Can we have that again? I am the bread of life. He's the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. That, that, that's true. It is true, Calvary Chapel. This morning, if you come to Jesus Christ hungering after God, you will be filled. You shall never hunger again. You will always have that bread waiting for you. Jesus Christ waits for you every moment of every day to be with us so that we may uh, uh, eat with him, the Bible says. Jesus says, I stand at the door of your uh, heart and knock. Anyone who opens up the door, Revelation 3.20, I'll come in and I'll eat with him. The resurrection affirmed this truth. Um, in John 14.6, many of you are familiar with this verse. Jesus said to him, I am the way, not a way. I am the way the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What are you talking about? There's many roads to heaven. Let me tell you, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, after being after clearly dying, put, being put in a tomb, uh, sealed, as we were talking about this morning at the sunrise service, with a mega stone, they called, they really, they said the stone was a mega. It was gigantic. That thing was blown off by an earthquake and Jesus' glorified body came out. They believed this. The reason number one is to affirm that everything that Jesus said was true. I'm gonna go through one more, one more verse. 
that was affirmed to be true after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. This one is intense. Jesus uh, speaks this really right before uh, probably the day he was arrested to be crucified. Uh, Matthew chapter 25 says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, who does this guy think he is? They knew he, they, when he said the Son of Man, they knew he was referring to himself. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Now, he's talking about the second coming here. Jesus came once to die. He's coming a second time to judge and defeat everything that comes against God and to set himself up on a throne to be king. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and he will set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devils and his angels. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let me tell you, you're listening to this at the time, and, and, and even the disciples, it says, what is he talking about with th things like this? After he raises from the dead, he rises from the dead after three days, it affirmed this truth that the Son of Man is coming again in his glory. It affirms that. Reason number one, that Jesus Christ, it, it, this the priority of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was God's way of affirming that everything that Jesus said was true. Reason number two. Reason number two, without the resurrection, we are condemned by God, that is, dead in our sins. Again, without the resurrection, we are condemned by God, dead in our sins. Let me start by, by saying this. The Bible says that every single one of you in this room and me, we came out of our mother's uh, uh, womb dead spiritually before God. That's why the Bible says, Jesus says, you must be born again. If you haven't been born again a second time, born again from above, by the Holy Spirit, you're still dead in your sins, the Bible says. But, 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 but every one of, uh, of you and myself, we came out of our mother's womb dead in our sins. Ephesians chapter two, verse one, speaking to Christians, Paul says, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, there are some of you who came into this room this morning you have convinced yourself that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to you that you're dead in your sins. 
because you have a pretty good opinion of yourself, went up during my walk through Franklin Park yesterday, I asked a couple guys, you know, if you were to die today and went to heaven, God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What, what would you say? And one of them said, I'm good. And the other said, I'm kind. Now, here's the crazy thing. That if you, if you are sitting in your seat today and you're thinking, you know, I, 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 I'm pretty good. I, I, I'm good. Jesus Christ himself says that if you think that, you're actually the worst person in the world. Jesus Christ said that, Luke chapter 19. He makes it so clear. Couldn't be any clearer in Luke chapter 19. It says that Jesus said a parable. There's two men who went up to the temple. One was a Pharisee. The other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee, it says, he prayed this way to himself. I tell you, when you're praying to yourself, you're in big trouble right there. But it says he prayed this way to himself. I'm just glad I'm not as bad as other people, is what he said. I'm glad I'm not as bad as other people. Murderers, adulterers, extortioners, or, 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 or even like, this tax, that, this tax collector over there. Tax collector, they, they ripped people off, man. They would take uh, widows, their last money from widows. They would, uh, they would, they would betray anyone. They were the, the, the scum of the earth at the time. And this guy's, I'm glad I'm not like this guy. And then it says of the tax collector, he stood in the very back. He, just, he, he says, he was so guilty before God that he beat his chest and said, oh God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Jesus said, that man went home justified before God and not the other. If you're here in this room and you think you're, you got it, you're okay, before the Lord, because of the life that you have lived, the Bible says you're actually the worst person in the room. This is Jesus Jesus Christ, don't kill me, the messenger. This is what Jesus Christ said. They killed him for saying that. And, and, and so uh, reason number two, again, I want to get back with it. Without the resurrection, all of us are condemned. We're, we're dead in our sins. Let me put up um, this verse um, to explain this a little bit more. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, same chapter we started off with today, Paul, the apostle Paul says this, if Christ is not risen, you are still in your sins. If Christ is not risen, you are still in your sins. Let me try to unpack this verse or this thought. Jesus Christ on the cross died for your sins. But if he didn't then raise from the dead and ascend to, to heaven, you would still be dead in your sin. And, and the, the, one way to look at it is like this. Let, let's say you were kidnapped and there was a ransom demand of a, a million dollars and 
a group of people went out and raised a million dollars for you, your really loved guy or girl. They raised a million dollars, but it was never delivered. It was never delivered. What good is that to you? You're still uh, captive to the kidnappers. It's the same way uh, with Jesus' death on the cross. Yes, he died for your sins. Yes, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, no one is forgiven of their sins. Yes, the Bible says that the precious blood of Jesus saved you. But until Jesus is resurrected and ascended, it's going to sound strange. He has no ability to, to, to afford you the benefit of that blood. When Jesus left heaven, now I know this is like theologically gigantic stuff. I'm going to try to simplify this. But Jesus Christ says, before Abraham, uh, I am. They started to uh, throw stones at him. Meaning before this guy that lived 1,500 years ago, I was. I was already. I've always lived. I am God. But when he left the throne of heaven and came and was born in Bethlehem, he, he lost his independent ability to be everywhere in the world. He doesn't regain that until he's resurrected from the dead and ascended into heaven. Then he's back where he was, and at that point, he is able to send the Holy Spirit and apply through the Holy Spirit his blood to you. The, the, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, but it's not with, unless there is a resurrection, not unless that happens, can that blood be applied to you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter one that at the point you believe, when you believe, the Bible says, at that point, the Holy Spirit comes in and seals your salvation forever. And part of that is the application of the blood. Don't try to get me to explain exactly how that happens. But again, can we go back to that verse? Um, if Christ is not risen, you are still in your sins. Unless Jesus rises from the dead, someone raised a million bucks for you, but no one delivers it. Everyone with me? Here's a couple other verses to explain it. Chapter four of Romans, verse 25. He was delivered, speaking of Jesus, he was delivered over to death for our sins, but he was raised to life for our justification. Uh, justification happens again when the Holy Spirit comes into you, when you say, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I've been the king of my own life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes in. The blood is applied. You are justified before God. Justice, just as if you've never sinned. You are guiltless. You are blameless before God. It says in Ephesians chapter one, verse four. Because that perfect life that Jesus lived for you and that blood that he shed for you is now applied to you. The Bible says that in every single way he was tempted, just as you're tempted, yet without sin. That perfect life is put 
in your account because of his resurrection, his ascension, and him sending the Holy Spirit to you at the point you make him your king and your Lord. And if you don't make him your king and your Lord, if you're one of those people who say, I kind of like the driver's seat, I will let Jesus be the co-pilot. No, he's not a co-pilot. He's the only pilot. And when you make him the pilot, He comes into your life. He invades, he possesses for all eternity your life. But if you keep him as the co-pilot or if you keep him as the no-pilot because you don't believe in him, you're dead in your sins, the Bible says. Next verse, um, it says, uh, uh, this is just an easier translation. He was handed over to die because of our sin. Same verse, Romans 4, 25. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. God, do you see the priority of the resurrection? Do you see why Paul, after mentioning the cross, which is oh so important to pay for our sin, he says he died, but then he was seen, he was seen, he was seen, he was seen, he was seen. The resurrection. You need the blood applied to you as well as that perfect life. Reason number three. Without the resurrection, we have no power over sin, and we have no power over the devil. Why is the resurrection such a high priority in the Bible? Because without it, we have no power over sin or the devil. Let me quote this verse now. Let me read this verse for you. Romans chapter six, verse four. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. See, there's a tie between his resurrection life and your ability to to, to overcome your sin, to, 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 to get rid of those chains of pride, those chains of lust, those chains of greed, there's a tie to the resurrection. If Jesus Christ had never been resurrected and sent to heaven, you would have no ability to have victory over sin. Colossians chapter three, verses one and two. It says this, if then you were raised with Christ. Let's stop there. Is that a surprise to any of you here this morning? That you, if you've asked Jesus Christ in your life, it says, the Bible says, that you have been raised with Christ. You have been raised with Christ, it says. If then you have been raised with Christ, these things which are, rather seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, then just as good is verse two. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. Let me tell you, Calvary Chapel, when you are raised with Christ, you have the ability to rise above the earth in the sense that this earth, let me tell you, without Christ, I remember what it was like 
You're just, you're chained down to all the, this says set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. That's, you cannot do that without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come without the resurrection. Some of you know the story of, I think it's Gulliver's Travels, right? The Lilliputians? Is that yes? You guys know that, or is this just old people like me have read about this story? So, so this guy, who wrote that, by the way? Who? Who wrote it? Oh, oh my. I'm worried about us. I'm worried about me. In Gulliver's Travels, this guy washes up. I, I think his, sick, his ship went down. He washes up, and he washes up onto an island where it, all the people on the island are like two inches tall. And, but there's like tens of thousands, but he's like unconscious and he can barely, you know, he's unconscious. And when he wakes up, there's these little tiny people have tied his entire body up, all his arms, all his legs, everything. It, 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 he's like, whoa, what's up? He's waking up and there's all these little people going all around him. It's a fairy tale, by the way. There is no island like that. But, 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 but uh, Gulliver's Travels, but it, it is such a great illustration of just the, the anxiety that ties us to the world. We're, we're so we are so tied to, the, to, to the, the, the newest thing. Like, I don't know, how, how much longer are we going to have to read about Will Smith? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's on the news. It's on the first thing on the news feed every single day. We're, we're tied to the world without the cross, rather without the resurrection, without the Holy Spirit. We're tied to that anxiety about work. We're tied to the anxiety, am I going to be single for the rest of my life? Am I not going to have kids? Am I, you know, what's going to happen to my kids? Are they going to die? I only have one child. What if this child dies? We're tied down to anxiety. It becomes a bondage to us. But Colossians chapter three, verse one says, if you, then you have been raised with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, Christ, seek those things above, meaning you can actually get lifted up in your spirit beyond all the anxiety that ties you down like that dude with the tied down by the little Lilliputian people. Set your mind on things above. Is it, it's the most wonderful thing in the world to, to, to just drop all the craziness, the politics, the newest coronavirus uh, thing that's going on, whatever. Not that some of this stuff is not important to keep up to date with, but we're in bondage to it, folks. We can be unless we are realizing the beauty of being raised with Jesus Christ. By the way, Ephesians 2 if you're taking notes, go to that verse in Ephesians 2 where it says you're actually seated with Christ in the heavenlies now if you have made Jesus Christ your king. Exactly what that means, I don't know, other than we can raise above all the craziness and the nonsense. Just as good as this is... Uh, 1 John 4, 4. Well, can we go back to the third reason? The third reason um, that it's so important 
the resurrection, such a high priority. Without the resurrection, we have no power over sin or the devil. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you don't believe in the devil, man, he's got you just where he wants you. He's got, he, and and you, you haven't been to Haiti, you haven't been to the Santeria places, altars in Boston. You, you don't know, you don't know about a real reality There's a demonic reality, we're talking about this morning, that Jesus was on the cross being tormented by demonic entities, it says. But you don't believe in the devil? He's got you just where he wants you. But those of us who have been with Christ, who are in ministry, particularly those in leadership, uh, you know, when we're we're considering and praying about someone to be a leader, we always pray and, and seek the Lord. Is this man, is this woman, able to withstand the spiritual opposition from the devil because it's real. The devil's real and he has an agenda. And 1 John chapter five says the whole world outside of Christ is under the sway of the evil one. And and, and so uh, I'm just gonna stick with one verse uh, with this one. Uh, Reason number three, we have power over the devil. It's it's 1 John 4, 4. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's a reference to Satan. He who is in you. <laughs> we, we spent a lot of time today on, I think, John 1.5. says that the, the light came into the darkness, but the darkness could not overpower him. It, it was precisely the opposite of 1 John uh, in chapter three, it says Jesus Christ came and he destroyed the, the, the uh, works of the devil. And it says when demonic entities, they were, they were being stirred up all over the place as Jesus went from place to place and demonic entities would be stirred up. He would confront them and literally the demons would be saying, what do you have to do with us, O son of God? Are you going to send us to torment before our time? The devil is no match for Jesus Christ. He's no match for the Jesus Christ who lives within you. The last chapter of 2 Corinthians is really clear. It says, do you not realize that Jesus Christ is living inside of you? And so 1 John 4.4 says what? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I tell you, even better verse, 1 John 5.18, if you're taking notes, says... He who is born of God keeps himself and the devil cannot touch him. 1 John 5, 18. He who is born of God, remember we said there's a physical birth out, uh, um, from the womb and then there's a spiritual birth by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. He who is born of God, 1 John 5, 18. The wicked one cannot touch him. Okay, well, let's go to reason number four. And this is a really important one. Why the priority of the resurrection? Why do we read the gospel in first, rather in first Corinthians chapter 15, it says Jesus rose from the dead, then he was seen, then he was seen, then he was seen, then he was seen. Why the priority of the resurrection? Without the resurrection, we have no power in ministry. We have no power in ministry. Um, The Bible says that um, uh, 
it, it, the Bible says that in Acts chapter one, Jesus had resurrected. He was right about to be taken up into heaven to be restored to that place where he could uh, send the Holy Spirit. In the, in the book of John, I believe it's for, uh, chapter 14 or 16, he goes, yeah, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to you. And these are among the, among the last words that he said before he ascended into heaven. Acts, Acts, Acts chapter one, verse eight, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now this is talking about power in ministry. He's speaking to um, the, the, the 12 apostles had already received the Holy Spirit in, I think, in the last chapter of the book of John, or the second to last chapter. But this is, this is something different. Um, if he, this is um, what's what sometimes called a second baptism, or, or a, a, the, the word here is used upon and not in. At, at, at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in you, but then there's the opportunity, and all you have to do is ask for it with a surrendered heart, and there's an upon experience. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. Can we have it again? Thank you. And, and it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you so that you can roll around on the floor laughing, so that you can have tingling experiences uh, every time at church, and if you don't, it's a waste of time, so that you can uh, do backflips, whatever. No, it doesn't say that. It says it's gonna come upon you, not, not, not it, he. He is gonna come upon you so that you shall be witnesses. What does that mean? A witness is a signpost that points to Jesus Christ by things you say, by things you do, by your love, by your kindness, by your words, by your deeds. You are a witness. That's what that word means. It means um, by your life and your words, you are a signpost. And, and really, this is, um, this is speaking to ministry. This is speaking to your fruitfulness. What is fruitfulness? We've talked a lot about that here at Calvary Chapel. Fruitfulness, when you are fruitful, the life of God is in you is reproduced in someone else. That's what fruitfulness is. That's what being a witness means, um, being fruitful without the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. You have no power or very little power in ministry. We need the Holy Spirit. And thus, wow, is the resurrection important. We're gonna close at this time uh, with communion. We're gonna have Easter morning communion at this time. So if the worship team could come up. You know, I uh, was, have been praying for the last week or two. Communion, the cup represents the blood of Jesus. The bread represents his broken body. The cup represents his blood that was shed for you, that, that, that was shed for you and then applied to you for your salvation. The, the, the body represents that broken body that was broken on that pathway to, uh, to the cross. The Bible says that uh, Freddie, uh, Pastor Freddie went over it on, at our communion service on Friday night. Jesus was repeatedly spit upon, beaten, scourged, mocked. 
And I, bet, I, I tell you, I've just been praying my prayer for, for all of you, for all of, the, uh, of us and for myself, is that, Lord, please, by your spirit, would the people of Calvary Chapel understand the connection between their sin and what happened to Jesus on the cross. That scene on the, there's a connection between your sin, and we talked about this morning at the sunrise service. In Psalm 22, it actually has written out what, our, what Jesus was thinking when he was on the cross. It's written out what he was thinking. What he was thinking on the cross. The first thing, the first verse of Psalm 22 was what? Jesus crying out after three hours, darkness was, came over on all the, all the land, and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Bible says God turned his face away from Jesus in order so that your sin can be punished and that you wouldn't have to experience God turning his face away from you, but that would go unto Jesus. God, would the, every man and woman in this room, I pray in the name of Jesus, understand the connection between their sin, their anger, their fornication, their experiment with alternative sexual lifestyles, their greed, their idolatry of their job, their idolatry of even their family, their, their idolatry of anything other than you, would they understand their connection of their sin between their sin and what happened to you, Lord Jesus, on the cross. What does a man look like who's had his beard ripped out? The Bible says that Jesus' beard was ripped out. What is That's connected directly to your sin and my sin. Including the sin, by the way, of walking into a room and saying, I'm glad I'm not like these people. These people are creeps. Including that sin. That actually makes you the worst sinner, if you're thinking that, as we spoke about earlier. Would we understand, would you understand, would you pray that you would understand? I want to just, um, can you do an instrumental, Dan? Before we um, do anything else, I just want you to pray. You're welcome to get down on your knees if you'd like. Welcome to stand or do anything and just say, first person, Lord, would you please, would I be, would, you, would I get it, Lord? Would I get the connection between my life of sin and that horrific scene on the cross. Would you just, uh, during this instrumental, would you pray that for yourself? Would you do that? <laughs>